We are working our way through the Lord's Prayer at the moment. If you're visiting us, you're very welcome. And um, we're learning to pray from Jesus. He teaches us how to pray. So if you'd like to turn to Matthew chapter 6 in your Bibles on page 970. And we have made it a grand total of three lines through. We're getting there. It's really good to slow down, isn't it? You could do a sermon on every word. It's so rich and so deep. It's been blowing my mind. Let me read through and then we'll get into trying to understand what your kingdom come means. So Matthew chapter 6, page 970, and let's read from verse 9. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So I think prayer is pretty weird. Prayer is weird. Uh, A few weeks ago, uh, we had some baptisms, and Masson was sharing his story of becoming a Christian. And he said, some of the things you Christians do are pretty weird, which I thought was fair enough. And I think prayer is right up there with one of the weirdest things that we do. Think about it. If you if you walked into a, a prayer meeting, you know, church, lots of Christians praying together, and you came in cold, not really knowing at all what was going on, um, you'd be confronted with 70 or so people embracing the kind of crash position you got to do, you know, when a on a plane, if it's going to crash, you've got to do this. And people do that when they pray. So you've got a room full of people doing that, as if the plane is about to crash or whatever. Eyes closed, and they're talking. Doing, doing this. It's weird. And, um, and you start listening to what they're saying while they're taking the crash position. And they're talking to someone, with their eyes closed, kind of looking down, to Father, to God, to, to Jesus. And you look around, and you think, where is this person that they're praying to? Where is this God, Jesus? Is, is he in this room? When you think about it like that, prayer is just really weird. And prayer also feels to many of us very weak. It feels like we're simply, maybe it's just me who feels this, simply saying words into the air. Like you're praying, you think. You kind of have an out-of-body experience. You think, I'm just saying stuff. What is, what is happening to these, these words? Prayer is so intangible. You, you can't see its effect. You have to wait to see what God is going to do. And this is why more people come to Bible studies than they do to prayer meetings. Okay? That's just how it is across churches across this country. Prayer feels weird and weak. You know, a Bible study, I learn, I speak, I grow, I'm moved. Um, I, I've, I feel like I've done something. And a prayer meeting, what we've done is we've walked into a room, we've all done this, and we've said some words, and then we've left. And what have we got to show for it? In fact, we kind of want to make this face when we're told we need to pray. All right? This is the face we want to make. Pray? This is from the film Men in Black. Okay? There's two characters. There's Jay and Kay. Kay has a massive gun. They're going to go fight aliens. Okay, he has this massive gun. And then he gives Jay his gun. He's a new recruit. And he gives him this little thing. And he's like, what is this? Does anyone remember what it's called? The noisy cricket. And he's like... Why can't I get a decent, big, massive gun like you have? I've got this little noisy cricket. And of course, it turns out when it comes to fire, it's like massively powerful and it throws him 50 feet back. It's, it's incredibly powerful. 
My hope is that we'll learn today to stop making that face, the disappointed face, when it comes to prayer. Can't I have something more powerful, like a little cricket? My prayer is that we'll become convinced that praying, praying your kingdom come, we would realize that it is explosively powerful. It's world-changing to pray that. But we need our perspective on prayer changing pretty radically if we're going to stop making that face at prayer and see what it's about. So two things we're going to see from Matthew and Matthew chapter 6 in particular that will change our view of prayer, particularly praying your kingdom come. First thing we need to see is that there's a war going on. There's a war going on. What's going on around Matthew chapter 6 is really key to understanding the prayer. See, these instructions that Jesus gives on how to pray are given by Jesus in the middle of a war zone. The war going on in Matthew's gospel is a war of kingdoms. This is a war of liberation. Like the allied forces forces liberating France, the kingdom of heaven is invading and liberating the earth. Heaven is invading earth in this story. And let me show you that in Matthew's gospel. And the war happens in three stages. Invasion, advance, and victory. Let's look at the invasion. Turn to Matthew chapter 4. Just back one page. Matthew 4 verse 17. And it tells us this about what Jesus preached. Matthew 4 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, For the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, do you see the link with our prayer, even in those words? Kingdom come. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the invasion. There's a movement. The kingdom of heaven was far away, but now it's coming near to earth. And this is the moment of the kingdom coming because this is the moment of the king coming. Matthew 1 verse 1 tells us that this is the the story, the account of Jesus, the Messiah, which means the king. The king and his kingdom have come near an invasion of liberation. That's the invasion. Next is advance. Turn to Matthew 12, page 978, just over a few pages. Matthew 12, verse 28. Let me give you a little bit of context. Jesus is driving out demons, and people start saying, they're trying to figure out who he is, and they say, well, he's from Satan, um, who they refer to as the prince of demons. Notice the kingdom language, a prince. And Jesus talks about Satan's kingdom, and then he says this in Matthew 12, verse 28. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of of God has come upon you. Again, do you see our prayer words? Kingdom coming. The kingdom has come upon you. This is the war that our prayer comes in the middle of. The kingdom of heaven has come with Jesus and by the spirit of God, he's advancing against another kingdom, the kingdom of Satan. When the son of God comes from heaven, setting people free by the power of the spirit of God, the kingdom has come upon you, Jesus says. That's the war that's going on in Matthew's gospel. Invasion, advance, 
Final is victory. I'll, I'll tell you this one before we turn to it. Um, you don't need to turn to it. So Jesus talks then about the end of history. And he says this. He talks about the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is in chapter 16. The end. The Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Notice our prayer words again. Coming and kingdom. But this time he's talking about the future. Not only has it come near invasion and advancing, but the end. It will fully and finally come. Victory. So do you see the story? That there's a war going on. The kingdom of heaven has come near and is driving out the fake kingdom of the ruler of this earth, Satan. Now we need to back up a little bit more. We need, we need a slightly bigger context than just Matthew's gospel. Because, well, why did Satan, when did Satan's takeover of the earth happen in the first place? Why do we need this liberation to happen? And this is really the story of the whole Bible, the story of heaven and earth. I hope you noticed in the Lord's Prayer, heaven and earth feature quite a lot. More on that next week. But here's the story. You see, once heaven and earth were united, heaven is the place of God's perfect rule, his justice and love in unchallenged reign. And the king of heaven in the beginning made the earth and all creation to be a place where his kingdom is experienced on earth as it is in heaven. And the king of heaven made the earth and all creation to be this place, especially in Eden at the beginning, where everything was perfect. Where the kingdom of earth was as it is in heaven, where God's will was perfectly done, where the hearts of humans loved the heavenly king, obeyed the heavenly king, served the heavenly king. There was no divide between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth at the beginning until a traitor came in, Satan the snake. And he knew the three key ingredients for a kingdom. A power, a king, a people, and a place. And so he came into the garden, to the kingdom, to depose the true power, God the king. To steal the hearts of the people, Adam and Eve, and to take over God's place, the earth. And when Adam and Eve said yes to Satan, they joined his kingdom and us with them. See, Satan came in and set up a rival kingdom. He invited humanity to join him and we've gone along with him. And so we're enslaved to his kingdom. And heaven and earth in that moment were torn apart. The kingdom of God in heaven was now at war with this kingdom on earth, the kingdom of Satan. You see, earth is God's place. We should be his people and he should be our king. But all humans have found a great variety of religious and non-religious ways to go along with Satan. To say, well, no, God, this is our place. We don't want to be your people and we'll have a different power, different king, thank you. There's a rival kingdom on earth. So what do you think the king of heaven will do? Will he wash his hands of this place, the earth? Will he leave us in our captivity and rebellion? Will he let someone else sit on his throne, on his earth? Doesn't he care about that? You bet he cares. Which is why Matthew's gospel, he's invaded. To liberate the world and take back what is rightly his, the earth. So back to Matthew. In Jesus, the kingdom of heaven has come. The king went to the cross to die, to break Satan's power of death over us. He rose to secure victory, and one day he'll return 
with his kingdom. There's a war going on. Which puts the Lord's Prayer in a very different light, doesn't it? See, our problem is that we read the Lord's Prayer like a nice recipe. Start with a measure of hallowing the Father, followed by a cup of the kingdom, pinch of God's will, and a good slab of forgiveness. Don't forget deliverance from the evil one. Put it in a blender. 30 minutes later, you've prayed. Well done. Job done. Get on with your day. Now, what you realize is that the kingdom of heaven is waging war to liberate the earth. And then you realize that this is an instructions for making a prayer cake. This is a manual for how to join in the war effort. We pray, your kingdom come. So what exactly is it we're praying when we say that? Well, now we can see we're asking for the kingdom of heaven to advance against Satan. Hang on, but isn't God king of the world anyway? He is king of the world, but it's a contested rule at the moment. So we're asking for the kingdom of heaven to gradually and fully liberate the earth. Well, how does this kingdom advance happen then? Well, did you spot what Jesus said people need to do when the kingdom has come near? What did he say? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent. Imagine you decide to live in someone else's house. They've gone away on holiday, you break in, and you live a kind of the Goldilocks life, basically, as if it was your own, porridge, beds and all. And um, you, you're enjoying your life there, and it's very happy. Um, and then, a, then you hear a car pull up, and a key slip into the lock, and the door opens, and there is the owner of the house. You've got a choice. You either resist the owner and try and, and keep the house and close the door on him, or you, you beg him to forgive you. The owner of the earth has come. And we will be living in his earth as if it's our kingdom. And so we've got a choice. Resist him and try and keep it as our own. Wage war on God. Or repent. Realize what we've done. Realize the owner is here. Realize we're not going to beat him. Realize he actually wants us to join him to be loved by him, to become part of his kingdom once more. The king comes offering peace, asylum, forgiveness, a second chance in his kingdom. So he says, the kingdom is here, repent, join me. So how does the kingdom come? One repenting heart at a time. The kingdom comes one repenting heart at a time. When the people of the earth are glad, like we saw earlier, happily bow the knee to the king of heaven and say, yes, Jesus, you are my king. I live for you. That's the kingdom coming. The true power liberating his people to live in his place, the earth. The kingdom comes as people repent. Now, there's one last piece of the the kingdom puzzle that we need to get in place to really understand our prayer and what we mean by your kingdom come. Turn over to Matthew 24. Page 993. Matthew 24 and page, uh, sorry, and verse 14. And again, Jesus is talking about what's going to happen before he returns. Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom 
will be preached in the whole world as a testimony, testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So our question is, how, how are hearts won over for the kingdom? Well, it says, when the gospel of the kingdom is preached to all nations. What a phrase, the gospel of the kingdom. We often talk about the gospel, but this is a very Lord's Prayer way of talking about the good news of Christianity. The gospel of the kingdom to be preached. And this is a juicy verse for World Mission Sunday, isn't it? Just like John the Baptist did before Jesus, just like Jesus did, the church preaches the gospel of the kingdom. Repent. Jesus has come and he's coming back. Join his kingdom. The kingdom comes one repenting heart at a time through the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. That's how the kingdom comes. And victory in this war for God, victory in this war for God is no less than having the whole world back. Did you see those big world words? Preaching the whole world as a testimony to all nations. God wants all of the world back. People from every nation in his kingdom. Okay, let's sum up what we've seen. To pray your kingdom come is to pray this. It's to pray, Father, your kingdom come everywhere on earth. Your good news of liberation be known and accepted by people of all nations. God, this earth is yours. You deserve the hearts and allegiance of every single person. You deserve to have your name hallowed in every beautiful language on this planet. Like you're hallowed in heaven, you should be hallowed on earth. But Father, our world belongs to another king. Lord, look at us. We're in chains. In sin, we keep on hating your rule. Set us free, Father. Your kingdom, come and liberate us. Advance, Lord. Take more ground in your liberating war. Take more hearts to be yours as the good news is, of the kingdom is preached to the nations. Bring your kingdom one heart at a time as they melt in repentance when they hear of your love, your death for them, and eternal life. Bring the satisfying joy of your unfettered reign in heaven to our dark, desperate earth as your gospel is preached. Your kingdom Come. So Globe Church, do, you, do we see that there's a war going on for the life of the earth? Do you hear the bombs going off? Do you see Jesus sit down with his disciples and teach them to pray, your kingdom come, while the battle rages for the hearts of the nations? we live our Christian lives thinking it's peacetime, we won't pray. It's as simple as that. If life to us is just about, you know, I've become a Christian, but now I get on with life, I get a great job, I try not to rock the boat, prayer is just not going to matter to us. But that's because we're acting like it's peacetime. Do you live like it's peacetime? Do you pray like it's peacetime? It's not. Satan has been dealt his final blow in the resurrection of Jesus. But he's not going to go down without a fight. 
He's going to hold on to as many hearts as he possibly can. And he's going to get away with it unless we follow our king's marching orders given here in Matthew 6 and pray, your kingdom come and preach the kingdom has come. Peacetime Christians won't pray very much. Just like peacetime citizens don't mobilize armies and ration their food. You just don't do that in peacetime. But the battle is on for the liberation of the nations to enjoy God forever. And God's going to win. And he's going to do it through answering our prayers of your kingdom come. That is God's strategy to win the war. By answering our prayer, your kingdom come. Now, some of us don't need convincing that it's war time. You see in the hearts of your family and friends who will not turn to Christ, and, and the only word for it is captivity. You feel the kingdom of Satan in life with the darkness of death and pain and destruction. You, you see the war, and doesn't your heart well up in prayer? Your kingdom come here, now, one day. Wake up to the war and pray. Now in this prayer, Jesus has given us something very precious, very special. We have something that can have a real impact on the coming of the kingdom of the Father. We've got a red phone. We've got a red phone in this prayer. Do you know what I mean by the red phone? Um, In any film, war film, espionage film, whatever it is, um, they always have a red phone. And the red phone is the direct line to the generals or the White House or the prime minister, whoever it is. The, the, the red phone. Pick up the red phone. Speak to the president. You know, whatever. And whoever has the red phone can pick it up, get straight through to the person who's at the top, and call in what is needed in the war. Call in for reinforcements. Call in airstrikes. Call in for medical help. If you're in a war zone and the bombs are falling and the enemy's advancing and you've got a red phone, you pick it up. And you ask for what is needed because the person on the other end of the phone is the one person who can get you what is needed. The other day I went to Churchill's war rooms. Uh, It's like the underground bunker that Churchill used. And they they had lots of different colored phones. And they were all direct lines to different parts of the army and the navy and the air force. They had the colored phones. They had the red phone. Prayer is picking up the red phone to God. If Jesus is giving instructions to his church in the middle of his invasion of the earth, then teaching us to pray, your kingdom come, is him handing us a red phone. As if to say, listen church, if you see people whose hearts are still captive to rebellion against God, pick up the red phone and ask your heavenly father that the kingdom would come in their lives. That they would hear the good news, they'd repent and be set free. If you see nations, languages, cities where it seems that the gospel just won't break through, where Satan seems actually to to be holding a tight grip on people's lives, pick up this red phone and call on God to advance in power with their hearts. Call on him to kick Satan out and rule and reign there. And I wonder... If some of us, when we look around and we wonder why the kingdom doesn't seem to be advancing, Jesus is saying to us this afternoon, did you ever use the phone I gave you? Are you asking the Father for his kingdom to come? I've given you the phone, the direct line. 
But like we said at the start, prayer feels so weird and so weak. Okay, maybe we, we've been convinc- become convinced that there's a war going on. We long for God to win, for people to be saved. We long the earth would be like heaven above. Sign me up. What can I do? And then we get told that one of the key roles that needs filling is praying. And we make the Will Smith face. Uh, prayer? My job is to pray? I get the noisy cricket, the little gun. This person gets to preach to loads of people. These people get to go to the nations to, to preach and be on mission. And I get the noisy cricket. I get prayer. But do you see that prayer is dynamite? Prayer is the red phone. Prayer is a direct line to heaven where the God of infinite power and compassion hears our cries and will act in response to our prayers. The power of prayer is the God who's on the other end of the line. And if only we realized the life-changing power God has, we wouldn't turn up our nose at prayer. We'd say, I know what I can do. I've got a direct line to the headquarters in heaven. I'll pray. See, the preaching of the kingdom to the world must be backed up with prayer for the coming of the kingdom in the world. With our prayers sitting in our bedroom in the morning, wherever it is, or here together on a Sunday afternoon, we can have an impact on people and places anywhere you can imagine. I love thinking about this. I love the thought that when I pray for Kim Jong-un in North Korea, the leader of North Korea, and he's sitting in a room somewhere in his impenetrable fortress, and I've just sent up a call to the God for whom walls and borders are like cobwebs brushed aside. There he is, sitting, thinking he's untouchable, and I've just been on the phone with God. And he's already in North Korea, rescuing people into his kingdom, getting Bibles in and missionaries in, and people are becoming Christians in North Korea. Isn't that cool? And we can pray for him himself, Kim Jong-un. And God can work in him. Isn't that amazing? We can, through God's power, touch an impenetrable place. And this time next year, we as a family, as in me and my family, are going to be living five and a half thousand miles away from you as you send us off to Vietnam to preach the good news of the kingdom there. And let me tell you, Vietnam is a war zone. For the first time, actually, in a long time, it's not at war with any country, but it's a war zone for the hearts of millions who are captive to the fake hopes of Buddhism, millions enslaved in a fear of malicious spirits, millions enslaved by the same hunger for success, comfort, and prestige that enslaves our country too. And Jesus has invaded Vietnam with his liberating kingdom. And what can we do back in London to help with the war effort? Just pray, only pray. Never say only pray, just pray. Never say that. Pray your kingdom come and know that when you're here and we're five and a half thousand miles away there, your red phone direct line to heaven works. A prayer as simple as Father, your kingdom come in Vietnam. Please give the church courage. That is calling down a spiritual airstrike on Satan. Let's keep thinking practically. 
I mean, doesn't this completely change how you view the prayer life of the Globe Church? So when we were praying earlier, when Yusuf prayed for Cast and we, we prayed with him, what did you think of that? What did you think we were doing? I don't think Yusuf would mind me saying that it wasn't a spectacular moment that I'll remember forever. It was, I mean, it was, it was nice. I didn't hear the sound of the people of Cast falling to their knees in repentance, did you? Let me tell you, what we just did in five minutes of prayer did as much for the kingdom of God as anything the team did when they were out there. Do you believe that? What happened was that in that very ordinary moment, we picked up the red phone. And God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, took our call. And he hears our request for Ekiteo to be strengthened, for them to be courageous and for their needs. See, the war rages in France. I hope you know that, just across the sea for the souls of people in towns like Cast. And God has come to reclaim the earth, his earth. And I have no doubt that in eternity, we'll be able to trace the advance of the kingdom of heaven in Cast back to our prayers here this afternoon. We'll trace it back. We didn't leave a message on God's voicemail that he might pick up. He actually heard us. Those prayers in the hands of our Father will do something for the smashing of the kingdom of Satan. That's cool. That's powerful. Can we talk about the church prayer meeting? We call it Globe Central. We do it on the first Wednesday of the month. Let's talk about that. Because let's face it, the prayer meeting is the noisy cricket of church activities. Come on and put on an all singing, all dancing mission event. Yeah. Come to the prayer meeting. Will Smith face. And for some reason, it's the same in most churches in the UK. What's with that? Why do we check out when it comes to prayer meetings? I have the same wrestle. It's my job to be there. (laughs) It's because we don't realize there's a war going on. And we've forgotten we've got a red phone. If you had a phone call with the prime minister or the head of the United Nations or whoever it is, you wouldn't miss it for the world, would you? But Globe Central is when we get together to pick up the red phone and call on God for help, for aid, for patching up our wounds, for resources, for strength, for the coming of the kingdom in the lives of our friends and family, for this city with its knife crime and its blinding riches. We speak to the general and we call on him to liberate whole nations into his love. That's what we do at Globe Central. I really want to encourage you in your prayers. Just let your imagination go wild. Pray with imagination. Think what countries we could impact. Unreached tribes, vast metropolis cities, dense with people we could touch with our prayers. No place in the world is off limits when we pray. Just think what bondage and slavery to Satan people could be set free from where God answers Globe Central prayers for his kingdom. Wow. Your kingdom come is a prayer for the world, but it's also a prayer for our hearts. See, if we're Christians, we've been liberated as we've repented and joined the kingdom of Jesus. But you know Go back a line in the Lord's prayers. We've just prayed, hallowed be your name. Aren't you instantly convicted that we still don't always hallow the name of God? 
that the war for our hearts isn't fully complete yet? Do you feel that like I do? The decisive victory has been won, but the loosening grip of Satan still holds on. So we pray, your kingdom come, win the war for my heart, to love your kingdom without restraint. And listen to this. A heart daily conquered by the kingdom of love will be set free from self-interest and unleashed into prayer for the world. The two are connected. For prayer for our hearts and for the world. A heart daily conquered by the kingdom of love will be set free from self-interest and unleashed into prayer for the world. So let's pray now. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your love for this rebellious world, for us rebellious people. Thank you that you haven't left us to it in our treason, occupying your world. How audacious of us, how offensive of us to set up a rival kingdom along with Satan. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us our debts, our sins. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son, your anointed King, the Messiah, to come with the good news of the kingdom for us. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying to bring the kingdom, for rising to bring the kingdom, for ascending to rule over the kingdom. And one day to return to finish and complete the kingdom. To bring heaven and earth together once more. Lord, as we look around us, our world is in, is in bondage. It, it's dark. We feel it in our lives. We see it in our city. We see it in our world. Hearts that do not love you, that, that hate your name, want nothing to do with you, that resist you. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Lord, we pray for those who do not know any Christians, where there, are, there is no church to make this gospel known. In those unreached places, your kingdom come. Send workers, Lord. Send workers to those who have no access to the good news of the kingdom, that they could hear and believe and be saved. Lord, for places which have the gospel, like our country, with, with churches all over the place, but we, with so much darkness within and without the church, your kingdom come. Don't let Satan win. Kick him out. Would you win? For our good, for our joy, that the peoples may praise you, and for your glory, Lord. Your kingdom come. Amen.